Welcome to the Footy Daily Podcast. Yes, this is the first episode of this amazing show and we are expecting a very exciting show. Yes, today we'll be previewing the Premier League matches right from midweek to the weekend and also be talking about some exciting transfer rumors and how they're actually going to impact these clubs if these deals materialize. I'm joined by my good friend Usman. How are you doing, mate? I'm well, mate. How are you getting on? I'm very, very good. Um, football is back and I'm so excited, man. Been months, yeah. I've really missed this. How do you say? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm over the moon to have the football back. We've seen the Bundesliga come back in the last month. We've seen the Spanish League and the Italian League come back last weekend. And it's finally time to have the Premier League back. As, as fans of teams in the Premier League, you know, you have that emotion attached to each individual game in the league as it affects your club. You know, for example, you know, seeing Arsenal play Manchester City... Uh, on the Wednesday in a couple of days, you know, although I don't support either of the teams, I, I'm invested in that game because I know it could have an impact on my team and our potential uh, chase for the top four. Sadly, we've not had the same sort of emotion attached to any of the German leagues, uh, German league games. So, yeah, absolutely over the moon to have the Premier League back now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm so excited. And yeah, um, kicking off on this Wednesday, we have some exciting midweek games coming off down and going straight to the weekend some good good games and on this show we are going to actually preview and digest these games and yeah we have some exciting transfer rumors y'all know this on twitter there's a lot of rumors going on and yeah if they happen good for some teams if they don't happen sorry we're still going to banter yeah so i think we should just go straight into um the preview yeah so yeah premier league is coming with no fans Players are going to play actually at an empty stadium. How do you reckon this is going to affect the games? Well, on a statistic standpoint, it has quite clearly affected the German teams. You know, prior to the lockdown, when fans were available or allowed to attend games, it's quite clear that home advantage was a thing. You know, the, we all know about the 12th man, but we've finally seen the importance of the 12th man in games. Uh, since the lockdown and the games being played behind closed doors, we've seen a rise of teams at home who aren't getting that home advantage, who are actually suffering in the hands of not having their fans there to cheer them on. You know, mentally, as a player, I, I can't speak from experience, but I would assume as a player, you have that 12th man that gives you that extra sort of energy to get through the game, especially in the dying embers if you're chasing the game. So, according to the German League, statistically, uh, home advantage with fans there is a massive thing. Um, so, yeah, for me personally, it's going to be a massive miss for teams. It's going to be based on football now. So, teams won't have that 12th man to cheat them on, give them that extra energy. So, it's going to be based on pure footballing ability. So, it'll be interesting to see which teams come out on top. All right, all right. Sounds very good. Yeah, so right now, it looks like um, everyone is actually playing on neutral ground. You are going to show your potential and the best team um, actually wins here. So, um, diving straight to the midweek games. Yeah, the Premier League is actually back on Wednesday. Kicking off, we have Villa versus Sheffield. But the big game on that day, Manchester City hosting Arsenal at the Etihad. Exciting, actually, because I'm looking at the Manchester City team. Yeah, a good, good, good part of the team is back. Um, Leroy Sané. And I believe right now, because of, 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 I believe that most of the players have got enough rest now. So we're actually going to see fresh legs. And yeah, um, how, how do you reckon this, this game is going to look like? Uh, well, it's interesting you say that regarding fresh legs. Of course, you know, every team 
has got practically a full squad to work with. Um, regarding Pep Guardiola going into this game, you know, Manchester City don't have a lot to play for. Um, of course, it is the first game back. So the, and the last game they played, they lost to Manchester United. So they will want to potentially redeem themselves from that loss. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how Manchester City and Pep Guardiola approach this game. Of course, Arsenal, on the other hand, got everything to play for. You know, they're still in a position that could potentially get that top four spot or even the top five, depending on if Man City get banned. So for me personally, Arsenal will probably go into this game with uh, more on the line and potentially in terms of motivation, probably more. Um, like I said, Manchester City are currently second. They haven't really got um, an opportunity to catch Liverpool and they're also not really going to fall out of top four. So for me personally, I think this is going to be won or lost in terms of a mental battle more than an ability because I think Man City in terms of ability definitely are the better team alright alright yeah so looking at this Arsenal side yeah this this side has got so much potential Um, talking of Nicolas Pepe we, we've, not, we've not really seen too much of him even though he showed that yes he's got the potential but but he's not really got that drive that he's not really got the numbers yet the goals that assist are not are not actually um, um integral so far since he joined this Arsenal side. Lacazette has not has had a bit of a rough season and um, a rough patch. He's not got um a good streak of goals. Um, so do you reckon this Arsenal side is, is actually going to pull off um surprisingly so, uh, so well um coming into this game or coming into the the rest of the season? I think uh, statistically, Nicolas Pepe, like you mentioned, hasn't got the greatest of stats. But I think if you look at his individual performances and actually look at his, his sort of outlet in terms of, of what he's done on the page, I think he's actually been a lot better than people are giving him credit for. Um, granted, he started off very slow. and As we know, it does take a lot of time for players from other leagues to come and you know settle into the Premier League. And I think he's kind of had that settling period and we're starting to see a Nicolas Pepe that we was expecting when Arsenal first signed him. In the last couple of games prior to the break, I started to see glimpses of what he's capable of doing. You know, I can't remember which game it was in particular, but he got a goal, a very important goal and assist uh, in one of the games. And he was starting to build a bit of momentum and a bit of form on an individual level. But in general, even without the statistics in terms of assists and uh, goals, he was creating a lot of chances. Sadly for him, they weren't converted. Um, but coming back to Lacazette, um, yeah, I agree. He has been very poor this season. I thought last season he was absolutely fantastic. You know, you, we know with a lot of players that they have these sort of off-seasons. Um, you know, of course, that's not what Arsenal want. But for me, personally, again, Lacazette has got a lot of quality. You know, class is permanent for me. And he just needs to find his feet. In, pre- sorry, in the last couple of friendlies, I believe he scored against Charlton. Um, so I was hoping that would give him a bit of confidence going into these the remaining nine games. Yeah, yeah. Sounds very good. Sounds very good. And yeah, um, yeah, one, one very good young star right now at Arsenal um Saka he's he's very good he he actually improvises he's sort of um a utility player who can, who can be actually um so versatile and can play in a lot of positions he's played at left back for some part of the season due to some um Kieran Tierney injury news and all yeah since Arsenal have actually suffered some um injury blows this season and um, what do you make of or what's your your personal take on um Saka but Saka for me personally has been absolutely fantastic. I don't think you can, uh, you know, understate his performances and his, you know, ability to create a chance out of nothing. There's been many occasions this season that he's put the ball into dangerous areas. They've not been converted, but even then, you know, he's not been disheartened. He's continued to uh, be confident and 
sort of positive in his general play. Um, it'll be interesting to see what Arteta does. You know, you mentioned Kieran Tierney there. Uh, of course, he was the left back that they signed this season um, to come in and state that place his own. Sadly for him, it's not worked out due to injuries. He is now fully fit. Um, so does he come back into the team? And if he does, what does that mean for Saka? Because of course, Saka is actually a left winger who has been converted into a left back. Uh, for me personally, Saka um, has to start. Um, it'll be interesting to see what Arteta does, but. Like I said, he's been absolutely fantastic and he's another credit to Arsenal's academy who have been producing a lot of talent in the last couple of seasons. Right, great, great. I reckon this game is going to be so exciting. So on to the other game on Wednesday, Villa, Sheffield United. Yeah, Villa actually struggling despite they've got some good um, quality on their side. Um, Jack Grealish, obviously, a stunning player who's actually a very good playmaker. He's got some good numbers um, so far this season and has actually caught eyes of most clubs in the Premier League, especially um, um, Manchester United. Yeah, um, um, Villa actually struggling um, a very bad position onto um, on the relegation side. Sheffield, on the other hand, are actually having um, somewhat a surprising season. They are very good um, on a very, very good position on the table um how do you reckon um, what do you think um should be villa's um, mentality going into this game uh, first and foremost you mentioned some of you know the players that aston villa have got at the disposal you know massive boost for aston villa going back into the last nine games or in 10 games in their case because they've got the game in hand um is mcginn he was absolutely phenomenal at the start of the season you know a lot of people were Touting him to be the next big thing, you know, he was linked to Manchester United as well prior to his injury, so he's going to be a def, uh, a massive boost for them to have him fully fit and back in the squad as well. Um, regarding their approach to the game, it would be interesting to see what Aston Villa do. Of course, I know Sheffield United really well as I work for them uh, as a football coach, so I know a lot about Sheffield United. I know the ins and outs of the academy, and obviously I've met Wild on numerous occasions as well as the first team players. So I know how much they've been preparing. You know, I've seen them. I've seen a lot of pictures of them at the academy and. Sheffield United are one of the fittest teams in the league without a shadow of a doubt for me. You know, the very workman-like team. So, it'll be interesting to see how Villa approach this game. I think it's going to be a very tight game, to be honest. Um, I think Aston Villa will probably try to be a bit more cautious because, like I said, Sheffield United have been fantastic in terms of their passing ability. If I was Sheffield United personally, you know, I would try to be a bit more cautious and potentially go, you know, play for a draw. Um, obviously, they need to get the three points, but... I, th- I don't think they should underestimate the ability Sheffield United have got to rip them open at any given point if they are to play that expansive football. You know, we know the likes of Grealish have the ability to hurt any team on the day, but if they open up too many areas um, within the, sort of the back line, then they're going to get punished by Moussa as well, uh, by his pace in behind. So it'll be interesting to see how Villa set up. But for me, I would play compact if I was Aston Villa. OK, OK, OK. That sounds that sounds very good. Um. On to our next big game. It's Spurs versus Manchester United. A very big game. Both sides um actually looking 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 very um, um sharp coming into this game. Most fresh legs, I would say. Harry came back from injury. Um Stephen Bowen, who had an injury, is back. Tangai in Dombele on the Spurs side is, is fully fit and cleared for this game. Manchester United, on the other hand. Marcus Rashford is back into the side and looked very sharp in their um, mini preseason game, if I should call it that. He looked very sharp and and yeah. So probably this game is going to be very exciting, full of energy, since they are very fresh legs. Spurs, on the other hand, 
on the table, well, they are doing good. They are on the eighth, actually occupying the eighth position. Um, Manchester United, on the other hand, is fit with 45 points, 41 points for Spurs, actually. Um, yeah, so looks like there's, there's a lot to fight for going into this game. Everyone is looking at that top four sports. How do you see or how do you reckon this game is going to look like? Uh, well, it's interesting you mentioned, uh, you know, everyone's fit and the energy. You know, of course, Spurs are one of the teams that probably benefit the most from this break. You know, prior to the break, Man United playing Spurs, it seemed like a foregone conclusion that Man United were going to go into that game with the momentum that they had and beat a Spurs team that were practically on their knees with the likes of injuries. You know, they had five of their first 11 out basically injured. Um, so, you know, in that sense, you know, Spurs do have that extra bit of, um, not motivation, but what's the momentum coming into this game? Because, of course, like I said, prior to the break, this, this game, they were looking at a loss. Uh, so, regarding the game itself, uh, it would be interesting to see what Jose Mourinho does. On a personal level, he has a lot to prove to my United fans. Um, also, he has, you know, the likes of that Pogba thing. Uh, uh, regarding him and Pogba, that sort of friction that they had, of course, we don't know if Pogba's going to start. And also, he had a lot of friction with Martial, so he's definitely going to want to get up uh, one on them. He's been taking shots at Oli, saying Oli's out of his depth. Um, so he's set up nicely for a game that I would imagine is going to be very cagey. I know you said it's going to be a lot of energy due to fresh legs, but I think both teams are not going to want to lose. I think Jose in particular is a master of nullifying a game and potentially getting a 1-0 victory or just getting a draw and just moving forward from that. Um, I think Jose will approach this with a lot of calmness, um, caution, but on the other hand, I think Ole Gunnar Solskjaer will you know, know that he has to break a Spurs team down. So for me personally, I think it's going to be a draw because I think they're going to cancel each other out. No, oh, all right. Sounds very good. Um, yeah, the match talk about mid- midfield um, combo, which comprises of Paul Pogba and Bruno Fernandes. Yeah, a lot of runs by United fans, obviously, that this, this um, look at the creativity of these two players and um, they are all recording is going to be actually be a very, very, very productive um, um, duo that they are going to form. Um, how do you think, do you think it's, this is actually going to flourish and how is it going to happen? Well, regarding the excitement, of course, you know, as a Man United fan myself, I can speak from, you know, personal perspective. Uh, first and foremost, uh, regarding Paul Pogba and Bruno as individuals, you know, we've not had that amount of creativity in our midfield since the likes of post goals and Michael Carrick when they used to play together. Um, yeah, so in that, t- in, that, that, in that sense, that's why we're excited regarding the creativity. But it'll be interesting to see how we get the balance right. You know, football's all about balance, uh, especially in midfield, which is where the game is won and lost. It'll be interesting to see who the partner up with them too, because I think um, it'll be interesting to see if Pogba is relieved of his defensive duties uh, and is allowed to gallop forward and play that box-to-box role as he's famous for doing for France. Um, obviously, with France, he has the luxury of playing alongside Kante, who's arguably the best CDM. Uh, so for me personally, I think he'll flourish if we can get the balance right. Um, if we can get a CDM, potentially McTominay or Matic, or even Fred, to do their role and allow Pogba and Bruno to express themselves. You've seen with Manchester City uh, over the years, they've had De Bruyne and David Silva playing but they've had a specialist behind them and Fernandinho has allowed them to, you know, express themselves and get forward and create chances. So if Maynard can get that balance right, then I don't see why they can't flourish. Both class players can play with each other without a shadow of a doubt. 
All right, sounds very good. Um, you're a United fan yourself, so I'll leave this to you. I know obviously you want your team to win. So what what what's your score prediction for this match? Uh, like I said earlier on the podcast, um, not so long ago, I I actually think it's going to be a draw. Um, the reason being is what from what I stated earlier, I think Jose Mourinho is going to tr- play for the draw, potentially try to hit my United on the break. Um, you know, we've seen in a game early in the season it was very close. I believe finished two one to my United. Um, it was it was a, it was a tight game. I don't think Spurs offered much going forward in that game. Of course, they've got their quality players back, so I would expect more attacking uh, instance, so to speak, from Spurs. I would expect more from them in an attacking sense. Um, but nevertheless, I think it's going to be dry. I just got a feeling that's going to be a very cagey game. It's the first game back as well, so players' fitness won't be up to scratch. The intensity won't be there. So I'm going to go for one one. All right, all right, sounds good. Um, on to our next game. Um, well, uh, Norwich versus Southampton. Norwich are sitting at the bottom of the table, um, 20th position, which is very, very abysmal. Um, facing the Southampton side, who is um, actually 14th, um, not far, not too, too far from the, 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 the um, bottom of the table. And I, I reckon Southampton have got something to fight for. Norwich have got everything to fight for going to this game. How do you reckon this game is going to be? Um, well, like you said, Norwich have got everything to play for. They're literally fighting for um, the ability to stay in the Premier League. This is probably one of the games that Norwich fans uh, will be looking at, thinking, you know what, we could potentially get a win here. Um, of course, every game in the Premier League is difficult, especially for a team that's newly promoted. So they would obviously respect Southampton uh, and what they've got. But in saying that, not so long ago, Southampton looked like they were going to get relegated as well. So I suppose Norwich can look at that and think, you know, if we can get a couple of games together or wins together, uh, we can get out of the relegation zone. Uh, but regarding the game itself, of course, both teams have quality. Um, you would argue some of the quality, the players that they have probably shouldn't be at those clubs. Uh, of course, from Norwich, Cantwell and Pookie have been fantastic. Adams as well, the fullback, he's been phenomenal and he's been linked to Arsenal as well. Um, so yeah, there is there's a bit of quality in both teams. Um, it should be interesting to see what happens with Southampton because, of course, they, for me personally, they could arguably be a top 10 team with their quality. They've got, you know, they've got the likes of Bertrand, Ward Prowse, of course, Long, uh, Danny Ings, who's been on fine form. He's, he's after that golden boot, so that individual accolade for him. Um, yeah, for me personally, I think Southampton should win, but I think because Norwich have probably got a bit more to play for, I think Norwich might get the win. Um, I think because they've got, in the, like I said, a lot of these games, especially in the first week coming back, you know, it's going to be the mental battle because, of course, in terms of fitness, everyone's going to be struggling. Um, I think Norwich have just got the, trying to fight for the lives. So I think, for me, I'm going, think, I'm going to go Norwich 2-1 victory. All right, Norwich 2-1 victory. Um, going into the, 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 the weekend games, we got, we've got Watford versus Leicester City. Watford sitting 17th with 27 points. Um, Leicester City are obviously third on the table with 53 points. They had um, quite um, a, poor, a poor run going into this um, pandemic break. And I reckon the break has really done, did really good for them to actually save them to get some reorganization into the team and yeah they are back and I'm th- I think obviously Brendan Rogers is looking forward to getting another very another good streak of wins going into this game Watford on the other hand are sitting 17th and obviously would like to um, move further or far away from the relegation zone how do you reckon this game is going to look like uh, I completely agree first and foremost regarding Leicester 
No, and Leicester and Spurs, both teams have benefited from this break. The Spurs for their injuries, but Leicester because of their poor form. You know, you've seen a lot of their players that were performing so well at the start of the season seem to have hit a blip in terms of, you know, the goal return, uh, chances created. You've seen with Madison on a personal level, you know, a lot of people have been singing his praises, but in the last 10 games or, or so, he's only registered one goal, one assist in the last 10 or 11 games. So on a personal level, he's been struggling. You know, the likes of Vardy, etc., gives them an opportunity to rest up as well because Vardy gets utilised a lot uh, for Leicester. But most importantly, it gives them an opportunity to just figure out what was going wrong because, if I'm not mistaken, they only had one, like, one game in the last like five to six games. So they were struggling massively with form. Uh, Watford, on the other hand, again, another team fighting for relegation. Again, I've got a lot to play for. Well, both teams have got a lot to play for. Leicester, of course, trying to get that Champions League spot. Um, but Watford, obviously, this season, they're going to be remembered for beating Liverpool and stopping them from going invincible. Um, again, <laughs> Watford, a, a Watford team have got a lot of quality uh, players. You know, Delafeo uh, is a quality player. Saar has been fantastic uh, since he's come through. Uh, of course, Tro- Troy Deeney has had a couple of altercations on a personal level, but still he's a quality leader. Uh, Andre Gray, you know, Decore. They've got quality in that team. They can hurt you without a shadow of a doubt. So, I think it'll be an interesting game. Um, I think Leicester will have just a bit too much quality. Obviously, with a midfield of Ndidi, Tillemans and Madison, you know, it's a fa- that's a fantastic midfield three. Of course, the defence has been fairly strong this season. So, I'm going to say that Leicester just edged this game. I'm actually going to go for a 2-1 to Leicester. 2-1 to Leicester. I think that I, I really, really agree with that scoreline. 2-1 um, to Leicester. Yeah, so move on to the next game. We have Brighton hosting Arsenal. Um, yeah, Arsenal is featuring on the weekend again because um, after their game in hand against City. So, yeah, and away. Yeah, since Arsenal had a quite a, a quite a, a poor away run. I would say, I don't know if I should describe it as poor because the results, bagging draws, getting losses, they really find it difficult um, um, to score away, especially for um, their striker, um, Alexandre Lacazette. Um, so, how do you reckon this is going to look like? Okay, obviously, um, you stated that um, it's, it's actually a new shot gun for everybody right now. You've got to show what you got. So, yeah, you think Arsenal will actually have um, a fairly good away run going into uh, into the, the rest of the season? Well, it's interesting you mentioned their away run. Uh, you know, it's, even after under Emre, they were struggling. Under Wenger, of course, they were struggling away from home. So, it'd be interesting to see why that is. I feel like it might be a mental thing. That's something that Arteta needs to instill in them and give them a bit more confidence. Um, of course, he's not been there for a long enough period for him to have, you know, built a lot of consistency in terms of away performance. Uh, sorry, um, but in terms of the Premier League in general, in 2020, I believe Arsenal haven't lost a game, so I suppose they can carry that through. You know, they're gonna they're gonna be playing off the back of that Manchester City game, regardless of what happens. In that game, also going to want to put on a performance against a team in Brighton that are struggling for form. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, Brighton haven't won in the last five games. I believe they've got uh, a couple of uh, losses and a couple of draws. Uh, so Brighton are struggling themselves for form. Again, they're another team that potentially could be in the relegation scrap. They're very close to the relegation zone. Um, so they've got a lot to play for. But I actually think Arsenal are going to have too much power for them. You know, Bamiyang is going for that golden boot and I think he's been absolutely fantastic. Um, I think, for me personally, Arsenal are going to win this game 3-1. 3-1 to Arsenal. I think Arsenal is going to have a win on this day too. Looking forward um, to Nicolas Pepe getting on the score sheet. I'm, I'm really buzzing. I'm looking forward to him getting on the score sheet. I really need that confidence from him. Looking at the kind of quality he has. So much silky feet 
quick feet, good anticipation. This guy's got some more talent to bring us on to the next game, West Ham versus Wolves. An exciting match, obviously. Both sides energetic. Um, West, West Ham, um, I think West Ham um, have got a good, good side to very good individual talent. Wolves, um, collectively, they are good individually. Electric Adama Traore, Neves on the on on the show. Like this is this is a very very good um side, and I reckon this game is going to be very exciting. What's your take on this game? Yeah, um, I think Wolves have just like last season they were absolutely fantastic as well. Um, but again, prior to the break, they were a team that were actually thriving. Um, so it'd be interesting to see. Jota was on unbelievable form prior to the break, so it'd be interesting to see if he picks off where he left off. Of course, him and Jimenez and Traore have been fantastic this season. A lot of speculation surrounding all three players' departures from Wolves. Um, I think for me personally, West Ham have got a lot to, you know, they need to improve a lot. They've got most of the quality players back. The likes of Yarmolenko, Felipe Anderson, they need to stand up and be counted. Of course, they've still got Declan Rice, uh, Sebastian Haller as well. They've got a lot of quality in that team, West Ham. But for some reason, it's just not worked out for them. Um, I think Wolves, for me personally, They've got too much cohesion at the moment. They've got a lot to play for. They're looking for that Champions League spot. And I think Jota is going to just tear them up. And I'm going to go 3-1 Wolves, actually. 3-1 Wolves. 3-1 Wolves. Exciting. Yeah, I reckon it's going to be a draw, personally. A 2-2 draw, because I reckon there are going to be a lot of goals in that match. Yeah, on to the next. Burnham out hosting Crystal Palace. What's your take on this match? Um, well, this is... Arguably a six-pointer, really. I suppose Crystal Palace are doing a lot better than I would anticipate. I believe they're closer to the top of the table. They're 11th, if I'm not wrong. Um, 10th or 11th. I yeah, think they're yeah. very fairly... Something some along those lines. I think they're fairly close to Arsenal. Um, Crystal Palace have been a bit of a surprise package in the last um, few months. Um, I think they've kind of turned a corner to an extent. They're kind of struggling at the start of the season, but seem to have got into their groove a bit. Um, of course, Wilfred Zaha is a standout player alongside Townsend. Um, so they've, they've also got a quality. I use also there as well, who's been on decent form as well prior to the break. Um, regarding, was it Bournemouth? Sorry, I apologise. Yeah, it was Bournemouth, wasn't it? Regarding Bournemouth, it'll be interesting to see how they approach this game. You know, Eddie Howe seems to stay true to his sort of philosophy in terms of his style of football. Um, of course, Bournemouth need to turn, turn a corner because they're another team that is potentially in danger of going down. Um, for me personally, I think Bournemouth are going to win this game. I think they're going to have that extra sort of fight. You know, I know Eddie Howe, from what I've seen of him in terms of his interviews, he's a very passionate manager and I know a lot of the players play for him. Um, a lot of the players there are from, you know, the process of them get promoted as well. So it means a lot to them to stay up. So I'm going to go for Bournemouth win here. And I'm going to say, I'm going to say 2 0 Bournemouth. 2-0 Bournemouth, 2-0 Bournemouth. Okay, I actually reckon Bournemouth is going to win, but I'm actually expecting a goal from um, the Crystal Palace attacking um, force, yeah? So, on to our next game, Newcastle-Sheffield. Yeah, Newcastle-Sheffield. Newcastle, obviously, um, surrounding this um, new takeover from um, getting new owners and actually looking to be um, a potentially heavy side and probably they could they could make some very good signings and actually be a very competitive um, side um, next season. Um, and I, I reckon they're going to have a very busy um, transfer window. Looking at this game, the Newcastle side have got good quality. Um, um, obviously, uh, 
Shelby, they've got um good, good, good Maximin, who's who's just um actually started to get some um quite good numbers, a few goals, and um, and actually that did so much good to his confidence, and I I believe he should actually um pick it up from there and go into this game so positive. How do you reckon this game is going to look like? Uh, well, you mentioned saying Maxim. I think he's he's a star man currently at Newcastle. You know, he kind of reminds me of Adama Traore when Adama Traore first burst onto the scene uh, in terms of his explosive pace and power. Um, however, I think St. Maximum's decision-making still um, needs to improve prior, uh, you know, prior for him to be a quality player. You know, Adama Traore seems to have got that sort of fix now, so to speak. Um, but yeah, regarding the game itself, you know, you mentioned a few players. Of course, the Longstaff brothers have been fantastic as well this season. They've kind of burst onto the scene, so to speak. Um, it'll be interesting to see how Newcastle approach this game. Obviously, Sheffield United, like I said, they're gonna they've got a lot to play for in terms of top uh, top four, potentially top seven spot. You know, as someone who lives in Sheffield, I know um, you know I know well well enough to know how much this means to the Sheffield United, the community, uh, the family fan base. Um, so even to get into Europe, so I think Sheffield United will definitely go into this uh, playing their brand of football, which is passing the ball and obviously the overlapping centre backs. I think Sheffield United will probably control the game. Uh, it'd be interesting to see Newcastle sit back and try to hit them on the break with the pace of St. Maximum. Uh, I believe Joel Linton will probably be up front as well, I would imagine. Um, so I think Sheffield United will be the aggressors in this game. I think they'll dominate the game. It's whether Newcastle can hurt them on the break, which will you know remains to be seen. But I'm going to go for a 1-0 win to Sheffield United. 1-0 win, Sheffield United. And that's, that's a, some good um, talk there. Um, very, very exciting game that should be um, yeah, next game, Aston Villa up against Chelsea. Yeah, Chelsea have actually also been a part side that has actually benefited a lot from this break. A lot of midfield depth, um, uh, injury recoveries, um, obviously. Yeah, so I believe this this Chelsea side are up and fresh. Yeah, Tammy Abraham, who had a, a, a bit of glitch um, owing to some um, few injuries, is actually up and going. Robin lost his cheek, who has obviously been out for the most part of the season, is back and I believe is going to be firing at a very high cylinder. And and yeah, this 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 says so much about this um Chelsea side. So much quality. Christian Pulisic up. Like, this is just so much quality. How do you reckon uh, um Chelsea are going into this game? Well, of course you mentioned a lot of the players that they're gonna have bad Pulisic you know being a major miss for them. You know, he was bought to replace Hazard. And sadly for him, he's had an injury with his back. Um, so it's good to see him back. Of course, Ruben Loftus cheek for me personally. He's a fantastic player as well. It gives them a different dimension in that midfield and it gives them something different to what they've already currently got. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how they line up. Uh, for me personally, I think Aston Villa are going to be tired going into this game. Of course, they've got that game midweek against Sheffield United. However, on the other hand, Chelsea have got um, you know the week off practically in, in terms of rest. Uh, prior to their game against Aston Villa. So I think that will definitely work in Chelsea's favour in terms of energy levels. Um, for me personally, I just think Chelsea got way too much quality for Aston Villa. I think this is going to be a very straightforward game for them. You know, it's a nice game for them to come back. Um, although, like I mentioned earlier, Aston Villa have got the extra impetus of trying to stay in the league. Um, therefore, they will have, you know, a bit of extra motivation there. I just think Chelsea's quality and class will shine through in this game. So I'm going to say 4-1 to Chelsea. 4-1 Chelsea. Yeah, I also reckon Chelsea is going to win by um, a probably fair margin on that day. Yeah, so 
let's let's just chip in this. Obviously, Chelsea is is linked um with a big move um for um uh Leipzig striker Timo Werner. And yeah, this this guy has been very very prolific, very very competitive um with respect to the goal ranks in the German Bundesliga this season. He's been very very prolific. And and yeah, obviously um rumors going around that um Liverpool actually um lost their their battle um to Chelsea on the signing or on the agreement um or um paperwork um reaching um Timo Werner. How do you do you reckon um if, if let's say this this transfer actually um, materializes in the few weeks or the coming days, how do you reckon um this is, is actually going to be um a positive um um addition to this Chelsea side since they've also secured um uh, the signing of Hakim Ziyech, a brilliant and forward. How do you reckon Timo Werner is actually going to contribute to this Chelsea side? Well, it's, <clears throat> pardon me, Timo Werner would be a fantastic addition to Chelsea, you know, for the reason that he stated. He's very much a prolific striker. Abraham, on the other hand, hasn't been as prolific, although, you know, he's been fairly good. I would say Abraham's had a good first breakthrough season at Chelsea. Of course, he was on loan uh, last season and he had a fantastic season in the Championship, but um, for me personally, I think Werner is a step up without a shadow of a doubt. Um, with the prospect of Ziyech coming in at the end of the season and Pulisic potentially remaining fit, yeah, that is a very frightening front three. Um, on terms of Liverpool, um, I think it's a massive loss for Liverpool. It would have given them a different dimension. Um, having a player of Werner's ability, just something to mix up and shuffle the pack um, rather than just relying on the front three predominantly for their goal goal uh, return and as well as uh, assist return, uh, it would be nice to obviously offload that sort of responsibility onto another player. Um, but nevertheless, for me personally, if Chelsea to get, were to get a win of the line, make no mistake about it, this is a statement signing and it would be fantastic business from Chelsea. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's a very good point you made there. And yeah, Chelsea has also been linked to um, um, Kai Havertz. Yeah, Kai Havertz. Um, looking at this Chelsea midfield depth, um, do you think Chelsea need Kai Havertz? Uh, well, it's, it depends because obviously they have got a lot of quality. You know, I've already mentioned Rubens Loftus Cheek coming back and giving them a different dimension to their game. He offers them something that they don't currently have. However, you've got to ask the question: Is Kai Havertz currently better than you know anybody else that they've got in that position? And uh, you'd have to say yes. From what I've seen of Havertz, um, I think he's a phenomenal talent. Um, I can't think of many better managers for him to work under than uh, a legendary central attacking mid, goal-scoring midfielder than Frank Lampard. And so Havertz's um, goal return has been fantastic, but he's only going to improve with one of the greats, Lampard teaching him, you know, the ways in terms of his movement into the box, you know, finding that um, that moment to go into the box, finding that moment to stay out of the box. Um, so I, Lampard on a personal level will be able to elevate his game massively. Um, so it would be interesting in that sense if Havertz looks like that. Um, but regarding if Chelsea need him, I think they should definitely go for Havertz. Um, I do think they need a camp. You know, a lot of people would say they've got Mason Mount there. That would you know, potentially uh, block his sort of development, so to speak. But at the same time, you know, I think Havertz is definitely better than uh, Mount, with all due respect to Mount. Although I do think he's a talent. Um, obviously, Ross Barkley hasn't really done much at Chelsea. He's had a couple of decent moments and of late he's actually been in decent form. Um, but for me personally, I think if they were to sign Havertz and Werner, then Chelsea are looking, you know, looking very close to the top two. 
All right, all right, all right. That's that's a very good point you made there. That Frank Lampard is actually going to be an an in, integral part um to um have its development. Looking to our next game, Everton versus Liverpool. Obviously, Liverpool have bagged this season's t- title undoubtedly, and yeah, are going to um actually still seek for a good form to actually complete this this historic season for them. And yes, Everton on the on the other hand have had quite let me see an average season currently sitting 12th on the table and yeah they won't actually let this slip Everton have got an amazing side amazing quality talking about likes of Richarlison and um the the the, the remarkable form of Dominic um Carver Lewin um they've got um a star in um Bernard who's very very silky and yeah so much so much so much quality in this side talking about their midfield Sigurdsson um it will be oh this is this is this is quite um, a quality side Liverpool on the other hand have actually also got a good 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 side and looking sharp um from their last game um in the mini preseason if I should call it that how do you reckon this debut is going to look like well, um, of course, there's a Merseyside my, my, my derby, so anything can happen in a derby. You know, form goes out the window, that old saying. Um, however, I do believe that Liverpool are going to be too strong for them. You mentioned a lot of Everton players, um, you know, in terms of quality, but for some reason, Everton just can't seem to falter Liverpool. The last couple of seasons um, just echoes what's happened in history with Liverpool absolutely dominating them. Um, yeah, so for me personally, I think Liverpool will be too strong for them. You know, of course, what better way for Liverpool to potentially get in touching distance? You've got to remember if, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, if Arsenal do beat Man City on Wednesday and Liverpool beat Everton, that would mean that they won the title, uh, if I'm not mistaken. I might be wrong there, but I'm pretty sure they're only two wins away. So, of course, if Man City lose and they win, that obviously equates to two wins in terms of the point difference. Um, so, yeah, so they've got, they've got that extra bit of motivation there as well. But I just think Liverpool have got too much quality for them. I think Everton have got a lot of good players. You know, of course, they've got world-class manager in Ancelotti who's won everything in the game. Uh, but for some reason, it's just not happened for them. They've, Everton have been spending a lot of money and it's just it's not materialised for them. They seem to not have got the, the balance right in the team. I, I suppose that will come with time. You mentioned Dominic Calvert-Lewin. Of course, he's in fantastic form. Richarlison, I believe Barcelona are interested in signing, signing him as well prior to the, uh, the break. Um, so yeah, they definitely got quality to take Liverpool. I just think Liverpool are streets ahead of that team. So I'm going to say actually three-one, but I might, I might go a bit brave. I'm going to say I'm going to say I'm going to say four-nil actually. I'm going to say four-nil Liverpool again. I think Liverpool are going to hammer. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, I agree with you that Liverpool are actually going to hammer. So yeah, um, I think we've we've done enough on the pre- on the preview of the games, and let's talk a bit about a bit about um, transfers. Um, rumors linking um, Coutinho back to Anfield. This is quite a funny one because um, some Liverpool fans are actually roasting Coutinho for being um, a snake. But I still, I still think um, they can't overlook the amazing times he's had um, at Anfield. He's so been so quality for Liverpool despite having um, a rough patch since he joined Barcelona, and um, uh, he's had a very a good season, I would say. I'm um, buying despite I'm um, picking up. Um, an injury which is um which has actually caught him out of action right now. Um, if the do you, if if this deal ever happened, do you think um Liverpool fans should actually accept um Felipe? Well, I think for me personally, on a loan deal, I just think it's an absolute no-brainer. Um, I, I mentioned earlier that 
a lot of the pressure uh, or a lot of the weight in terms of goals it is on the front three. So I do think they need someone to take that pressure off them. I think Coutinho, um, as, a, as, as an ex-Liverpool player who has played under Klopp and has played with the front three, he will come and flip, fit straight into that system. I don't think there will be any issues um, in terms of him having to adapt his game style uh, or play style, so to, so to speak. Um, I think it's an absolute no-brainer on a loan. Obviously, to sign him permanently, that would be a different conversation. But on a loan, I just don't see why they wouldn't do it for at least a season. Um, it gives them another opportunity to um, bolster attacking threat, really, for me. So I think they definitely should go for him. All right, all right, yeah, I really agree with you, mate. Um, yeah, so moving to um, actually, this this looks um, this rumor is actually building up so fast and so quickly. Um, that is linking Thomas Pate um to us now. And yeah, Pate has actually not extended um his contract with um. There's no, there's been no agreement between Pate and Atletico Madrid for um an extension as of now. And yeah, and Arsenal look to be in poor position to secure um his signing. Um do you reckon this this um signing is going to make so much positive impact to this Arsenal midfield? Well Pate would be a phenomenal signing for Arsenal or any team for that matter. He's he's quite clearly shown in the last last couple of years that he's a you know he's a fantastic CDM. He's a specialist in that position. Um so yeah I think he would be a fantastic signing. It'd be interesting to see what happens to the likes of Terrera. Um, and obviously, if he's made as a make way, uh, so to speak, for this deal to go through. Um, but yeah, make no mistake about it, this would be an unbelievable signing. Arsenal do need uh, a lot of steel in the midfield, and I think Pye definitely provides that. All right, sounds very good. Sounds um, very good. So, yeah, it's been an exciting um, show, and I reckon listeners are actually going to enjoy so much talks from a very, very, very good um, football fan, a coach himself, and a very good, appreciative person of the game, Usman. It was a wonderful time with you, mate. Thank you very much for having me on. It's an absolute pleasure. Yeah, I'm looking forward to to actually um, having you more on this show. And yeah, good luck to you (laughs) in your Spurs match. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, fingers crossed, mate. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Catch you another time. Bye. No worries, man. Talk soon, mate. Cheers. Bye. Yeah.